Look at John 10. But you do not, this is Jesus Christ. John 10 is about the great shepherd. And the great shepherd is speaking and he's saying, but you do not believe because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. Look at it in the positive. What's he saying? The moment you believe Jesus, you are one of his sheep. Amen? You know what's marvelous with the sheep? It just follows. Amen? And inside your heart, deep down in your heart, you just want to follow Jesus. Isn't it? So the moment you believe Jesus, you're a sheep. Look at this. That means the moment you believe, you have heard his voice. Look at this. My sheep hear my voice. Okay? My sheep hear my voice. So even though you're so tired in your seats, I understand you've been working. All right? But even if you're tired, and even if you're actually, if you're about to go to sleep and you just say, Lord Jesus, speak to me, He will just speak to you. Because why? My sheep hear my voice. You can always hear Him every day. Do you understand? You hear Him every day. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, hallelujah and they follow me. That means he knows your name, he knows you. So tonight is all about how much he knows you. How much he has prepared a destiny for you. Remember, it's not what others think of you, it's what God thinks of you. What his word reveals about you is what you should be thinking about. Amen? As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So, like I said yesterday, there's going to be paradigm shifts. And John reminded me in a simple phrase. What, what is a paradigm shift? A shift in the way you think. The way you think about God the way you think about yourself, the way you think about your family, the way you think about the church of the living God, and the way you think about Australia and the nations. Amen? God will help all of us to see things the way He sees it. Amen? Are you ready for more transformation? Look at this, Mark 3, 13. And he went up on the mountain and called to him those he himself wanted. What a wonderful phrase. You can underline that. He called those he himself wanted. And they came to him. Then he appointed twelve that they might be with him, that he might send them out to preach and to have power to heal sicknesses and to cast out Demons. Look at verse 13. He went first to prayer because he's about to call his first disciples. But look at that. He called to himself whom he wanted. Have you ever heard someone say to you, God wants you? God wants you. 
He doesn't only need you. In fact, we always say, well, He's God. He can do without me. That's not the issue. He wants you. He wants you, first of all, to Himself. So the first call, actually the first call, is the call of salvation. He calls us to Himself. Fantastic. Jesus is still calling people all over the world to have a dynamic relationship with Him every day. And even if you got born again 30 or 40 or 50 years ago, guess what? He still wants you. Please hear His heart. He wants to spend time with you. He wants to talk to you. He wants to reveal to you every plan that He has for you. Amen? And it says here, He called Himself first, them, to Himself in a relationship. After that, then He called them, what? Look at this. To preach, to heal, to cast out demons. Everybody has a call in their lives. One is you have a call to salvation and the second call is a call to God's purpose and plan. Each of us has a divine destiny and calling on this life. Amen? When someone shared to you the gospel, you responded personally to him. You were reconciled to him. But that wasn't all. Because if it was only an issue of salvation, of going to heaven, then that day you got born again, you should have died. And went to heaven. Correct? Because that's not the issue why we're all here. The issue why we're all here, we have a divine purpose why we are living right now in this generation. And God purposely chose you. Fantastic. And He did not make a mistake. He calls you because He wants you. I understand most people have difficult childhood. I understand that. I know of Christian families now. They're now raising up their children well. Okay? But most of us, when we got born again, you know, you know, 20s, teenager, somehow we really experience rejections, abuses, and hurts, especially from our families, our friends, in school, I just remember one teacher. I remember, maybe you can identify. I was learning to play the piano, or organ, I was learning to play the organ. Can you imagine, after my first lesson, I went outside waiting for my car, and then the teacher was there at the table. And then I was reading something like this. I was only teenager, can you imagine? Then all of a sudden, he, he was, Telling everybody, you know, the student I had, that student is such a failure. I was in front of her. 
and I had to put my newspaper like this, in shame. Sometimes how brutal people can be. But I bless that teacher. Maybe she's, she's safe already. I'm saying that point because men may have rejected you, but God wants you today. He's calling you today. I hope you hear His voice. God wants you not only close to Him, He wants you now involved in what He is going and about to do on the earth. You have a divine purpose why you're living now. You have something to do for God. Amen. The people who came tonight must hear this. You are the ones that God is now calling. And you. Alright? Never underestimate the calling God has in your life. Who will admit that the greatest thing that happened to you is your salvation? Amen? Well, the next greatest thing is to know why you are here on earth. Amen? And he has an original perfect plan for each one of us. We only get conscious of that plan when he reveals it. Okay? But look at this verse. Just as He chose us in Him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and without blame before Him in love. Look at this. When did He choose us? Another amazing, amazing. He called you. He, knew, he knows your name. He chose you even before there was an Australia. Amen? That's my expansion. You have to understand. He has an original perfect plan for us. And that plan and that calling goes all the way back to eternity past. Amen. Even before there was mountains and seas. Even before there was a Satan. Even before there was a sin, can you imagine? He saw you perfect, without sin, in your fullest potential. And that's how He sees you even right now. Amen. Every human being has a call of God in their life because there is no child born without a heavenly plan. No child. I shared this in one church. Sometimes people say, oh, that's an illegitimate child. Did you know that there's no illegitimate children? There are only illegitimate parents. Alright? Because every human being has a divine plan. It doesn't matter if that baby is abandoned, that baby is rejected. It even doesn't matter if that baby is black or brown or white. Your calling and your destiny has nothing to do with your country. Because
because the plan and the purpose of God came from heaven. It's a heavenly plan. You know, I'll share something. I just remember. The first time I came here as a missionary, that was in 1999. I lived here for six months. It was funny. It's not to put anyone down, but it was funny because this is the way people think, okay? I met a, uh, uh, a leader in a church. Well, he was very welcoming. He welcomed us into the church. And, you know, uh, very cordial, very polite. And then he said to me, so, are you here for Filipinos? <laughs> and then I smiled because I didn't know how to answer. Because in my head, it's like, if I only want Filipinos, I will stay in the Philippines. <laughs> so, <laughs> you see, because he was looking at my color. Your calling has nothing to do with your race. Forget about the prisoners that went from the British Isles to the colony of Australia. It did not even depend on that. Amen. One more example. As the Lord helps me. So you can identify. Okay? When I met the Lord Jesus, before I met the Lord Jesus, I hated God. I hated Him. I cursed him. I was terrible. Then I met Jesus. And I met love. It's the first time I understood love. First time. I was 23 years old. You know, I was very rebellious before that. I had a rebellious life. I was drunk every day. Can you imagine? <laughs> My best friend was gin tonic. Was my best friend. But I met Jesus. When I met Jesus, the first thing went away was my taste for drink. I don't taste anything. Good thing, he, he changed it. That's the first thing he changed. But the other thing was, I was so enamored by his love, I changed 180 degrees. And then that day, I saw a little vision. I saw a little vision of myself preaching. Can you imagine? I hated people and I hated God. I don't like talking to people. And yet, I saw a vision that I will preach to people. So I was so, I said, wow. I was just, I'll be a preacher. So now, because I was Catholic and I got born again, I said, hmm, I need to go to a Christian church. So, so because I'm going to be a preacher. So now, what I know about preacher are pastors. Okay? So now, I knocked on a church door, went to a pastor's office, can you imagine, after three months, and, you know, boldly, you know, boldly, I went to the pastor's office, and then he sat me down, and I said, and he said to me, what can I do for you? And I said, I want to be a pastor. Unfortunately, I went to a church who does not want women pastors. <laughs> so he said to me, he said, uh, uh, wait for me. He went to the Bible, took a verse, and then he said to me, I'm sorry, you cannot be a pastor because you're a woman. 
you know what? The fire in me kept on burning. You know what I said? It doesn't matter. Anything, just anything, I will serve God. But you know what? Years later, you know how God confirmed my calling? Somebody sponsored me in a seminary for first semester. It was masteral level. It wasn't college. Three-year seminary. Somebody sponsored me. So I was happy because I wanted to serve God. See, And then that person went away and went abroad, went to the States. I was crying. I said, Lord, I have no job. I have no church sponsor. I am not a scholar, Lord. How will I finish my seminary life? I was crying to God. But the Lord was encouraging me. He was saying, it's okay, I'll provide, I'll provide. But I had no job. You know what's the miracle? The miracle was for two and a half years, every time I go to the registration office, they will always say to me, it's fully It was better than the scholars because the scholars will get it installment. <laughs> I got it full. It's like the cross. It is finished. Full. And you know what? In the seminary, that's when I found out women can be in ministry. Because in our seminary, we studied the different doctrines of all the churches. It was it was a rigid training, very rigid. We studied all the doctrines, and then we studied the Bible like anything. It was master level. And then, because someone said, I cannot be a pastor, I didn't want to sin against God. I didn't want to serve and sin against Him. That wasn't my purpose. And then in my study, I found Jesus liberated women. <laughs> And it says there in Galatians, there is neither Jew nor Gentile, male or female, but all is one in Christ. Yeah. And I said, and that's when I realized, wow, the calling and the destiny is irrevocable. <laughs> and the Lord promoted me and promoted me. I started off in church taking care of babies. I went through all the ministries of the church. All of it. And I got promoted and promoted. And then one day, I became a pastor. <laughs> I said, Lord, I heard you correct. <laughs> it was really you. And I'm just saying that because the heavenly plan in your life does not depend on your country. It even doesn't depend on your gender. Because there is no female and male anointing. Surprise! <laughs> it's the same anointing that was on Jesus Christ. You know, one day, I was, 
I was in a car, and then somebody introduced me to a lady of another church. And then somebody, oh, she's the senior pastor, because I'm the senior pastor. So she shook my hands, and then she went up behind me. And then at the back, she was struggling. She cannot be the head pastor. She's a woman. She cannot be the head. So she was rushing, you know, she was there. And then the Lord spoke. You know what the Lord said? I am the head. And then she said, oh, I'm sorry, Lord. And then she went up to me, and then she apologized. We've got to have our thinking straight. Amen. Amen. Because the calling has nothing to do with country nor family background. You can never say to God, no, Lord, I cannot be a preacher because no one in my family is. Guess what? You're unique. You'll be different from your family. Because it doesn't come from the family bloodline. It comes from the blood of Jesus Christ. Amen. Anyway, I'm having fun here. I hope you're having fun. Look at this. For I know the thoughts that I think toward you, says the Lord. You know this very well. Thoughts of peace and not of evil. To give you a future and a hope. Can we just cap on it for a while? He has so many thoughts about you. He thinks toward you. He is so ahead of you because he planned it already. And he has a destiny and a call. Look at those thoughts. It's thoughts of peace. Did you see that? And not of evil. That means... Do you know what peace means? Peace of shalom. Ask any Jew today. Shalom means nothing missing, nothing broken. That means he never planned a bad day for you. If something bad happens to you, it's not from the plan of God. Amen. You can be so assured of that. You know, paradigm shift. I really need to say this. We are in a period of grace. Am I correct? Judgment has not come. There is going to be judgment when Jesus comes. But the church age is the period of grace. God is giving everybody a chance to be saved. Correct? That means there is no calamity, no storm, no fire that is a judgment of God. Because I am still hearing it up to now. Amen? I'm not angry at you. Because it is not according to the word of God. People are still saying, you know? You know what's happening in Houston? That's the judgment of God. Stop! He did not plan that. That's the enemy. That's the enemy attacking Houston. But God has a greater plan. Amen. Why? He is a good God. He only plans good things. He's a God of love. He prepares good and blessed things every day. It's all a matter of spending time 
listening to him and receiving what he has for you that day. When you wake up in the morning, you say, this is the day that the Lord has made. I will rejoice in it. Even if there's trouble outside, there's trouble in your family, it doesn't matter. There is a heavenly plan. Okay? There's a heavenly plan and there's a heavenly calling. Even in trials. I didn't put it there. But it says in James 1.13. I didn't put it there. I'm going to make the record straight today. Because God has been given a bad reputation. Okay? And I don't like it anymore. That's why I'm very passionate with the word. It says here, James. James. The Lord's making me remember. James 1.13 says, Let no one say, say no one. Let no one say, even Christians, amen? Let no one say, when he is tempted, I am tempted by God. That's verse 13. You know the word tempted there? is the same Greek word translated in verse 2. My brethren, count it all joy when you fall into various trials. It's the same Greek word. Trial, test, temptation, one Greek word. And God is saying, let no one say, when he is tested, I am tested by God. Amen? God's not testing you. You have enough in your hands with Satan. He's the one who's going to rescue you. He's, gonna want, he's the one who's going to lift you up. He's the one who's going to guide you. And he's going to be the one to protect you so that in every test and trial, you will overcome. Why would Paul say, rejoice when you're having problems? Do you have joy when you have problems? Uh -uh. Yeah, for some, yes. But it's hard, correct? When somebody falls sick. Amen? When your car breaks down. Do you say, Woo! Amen! You say that? <laughs> People think you're crazy, correct? What do you say? Heck! You know? Oh. That's what you say. Oh, not again. But Paul is saying, Rejoice in the Lord always. And James, actually, James, count it all joy. Why? Knowing. You do not rejoice without knowing anything. You rejoice because you know something. And what do you know? It says here that the testing of your faith produces patience. Oh, no, patient. I am already very patient. <laughs> Another paradigm shift. Ready? Ready? Patience is a powerful force inside your heart. But the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, and so forth. And no law 
You know why? It's the most powerful force in the universe. It came from God. The patience that you have inside is the patience of God. The love that you have inside is the love of God. It says here, when you put patience to work, it says here, but let patience have its perfect work that you may be perfect, can you imagine it? And complete and lacking nothing. What does it say? Be patient, rejoice. Why? You can overcome the trial and in the end you win. You win. Just don't give up. Just be patient. Amen. Faith and patience inherit the promises of God. He does not forget what He promised you. He does not forget. Go back to the promises. Amen. Amen. So, look at this. It says there, to give you a future and a hope. Actually, in another version, to give you an expected end. Your end, the way you finish in this life, according to the plan of God, is already established. If you believe, if you believe, just believe. Amen? Look at this. Your eyes saw my substance being yet unformed. And in your book, say in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Did you know there's a heavenly book about you? And written in the pages of that book is the plan of God. With no evil day. With an expected end. With your calling fully finished. Whew. You know how we're supposed to end this life? Not with sickness because Jesus paid for, for that. If you are sick in your body today, reject that sickness. If somebody told you and if you know of anyone who has been told you have an incurable disease, that is a lie because the cross cured it. Because our ending is not sickness. God did not plan an evil day. He never planned for us to get sick. That's why nobody should die of any sickness nor accident in the body of Christ. Is that an amen? Amen. She the lion? It's roaring! <laughs> You're healed, you're delivered, you're set free. In Jesus' name. For heaven's sake, we're the body of Christ. We are not a human body anymore. We're the body of Jesus himself. We are part of him and he's part of us. What runs through our veins is the blood of Jesus Christ. The DNA of God is in our spirits. We 
are made in the image of God. The world is waiting for the church to rise up. I'm not angry. It's just the lion in me. God so loved the world and we are the answer to the world. Please get this. He is the head. We are the parts. The head commands the body what to do. Without the members, you have a decap, decap head. It's not nice. And we're all saying, oh, it's up to God. No. He's just the head now. He needs and he wants his body. You are valuable to him more than anybody or anyone could ever say to you. If there is anything you get tonight, please get this. In his sovereignty, he decided to move on the earth with his body. That's his decision. We need to honor him. We need to honor him. He won't move without us. Here is heart. He won't move without us. We are his hands. We are his lips. We are his heart. We are his feet. Amen. You are the answer to your family. You are. You are the answer to your office and to your workplaces. You are the answer to your friends and to your relatives. It doesn't matter what they think about you. It matters what God thinks about you. Forget what they said. Forget even what you've heard that is not in line with the Word of God. Junk it. Go back to the Word. See the Word. See. Think about it. And then say, Yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. Whatever you want. My life is yours. Thank you for such a great destiny to work with you. Thank you that I can work with you. Thank you that you will not abandon me. Thank you, I will not do this alone. I'm with you, and I'm with the body of Christ. We are family. There is no denomination on the earth. People will not, people will not say, are you from Korea Church? <laughs> they will welcome you as a son and daughter of the king. It would be a great welcome, not because of denominations. I love the church. I don't like what's man-made. I honor, I honor God, I honor the church, I honor leaders, and I honor the body of Christ. Why? Because God honors us. It's as simple as that. Amen. Now, Look at this. Isaiah 14, 27. For the Lord of hosts has purposed 
and who will annul it? His hand is stretched out, and who will turn it back? Hallelujah. Whatever he has purposed in your life shall prevail. No demon, no accident, no sickness, no person can ever stop the calling and the plans of God for you. Not even Satan. For the Lord of hosts has purposed it. Who will annul it? None. None. So even if you make a mistake, who has made mistakes? Hmm? Me too. Thank you for the grace and mercy of God. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. But look at this. Even if you've made a mistake, and many wrong things have already happened, He can turn any evil into good. Amazing God. Anything. Nothing that has happened to you can keep you from your destiny. Nothing. But you have to listen to this. But the only thing that can keep you is you. It's you. If you believe the lies, if you do not believe this and you believe a lie, you cannot do this. You're too old. You have no money. You cannot speak well. You have a terrible past. You have a bad temper. You're such an ugly looking thing. Look at you. You keep making mistakes. If you believe that, then it's finished. From now on, make a decision. I will never believe anything negative. Are you with me? Never believe anything negative. Never. Even if it whispers to you in your bedtime and it tells you about your family, about your church, junk it. Amen? Junk it. Does not belong in your mind, does not belong in your heart, it does not belong to royalty. We are royal people of God. We belong to the kingdom of God. You don't belong to Britain. I have to say this. In Colossians 1.13 it says, We have been delivered from the power of darkness and transferred into the kingdom of His beloved Son. Have you, have you heard that? That means you have changed residence already. Did you know that? The moment you got born again, you do not have anymore just an earthly residence. You have a heavenly residence. You are citizens of the kingdom of heaven. You are not first of all Australians. I am not first of all Filipina. I am a child of the living king. You are children of royalty 
worthy and we belong to the kingdom of heaven. Amen. <laughs> there has to be a roar. Amen. He's the Lion of Judah. He's not coming again as the Lamb of God. He is coming as the Lion of Judah. And we need to prepare for his kingship. You are God's princesses and God's prince. When you look at the mirror, you say, I am a prince of God. Can you do that? When you look, I am a princess. I'm a, if you're kind of older, I'm a queen. That's okay. <laughs> kind of older, I'm a king. That's fine. That's why he's called the king of kings. The lord of lords. Who are the kings and the lords? So never say again, little worm, I'm just an Australian, I'm just human, please. You're a new creation, a new kind of species that has never been created before. You have the DNA of God himself, God Almighty. Is that being proud? No. Honestly, it's being humble. You know why? Because you are junking what you think and you're replacing it with his thoughts. And that takes a lot of humility. And that takes a lot of courage. Because you know why? The moment you know who you really are, huh? The enemy world knows it. And he will try to discourage you. He will say, look at that person. How tiny but how proud. But aren't we proud to be Christians? If someone said, who's born again? Wherever, I said, we should be proud. Amen? Not in a, do you understand? Yes. Not in a high and mighty way. But we honor the king.